Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Welcome to Backspin, brought to you by Inside Golf Magazine, Australia's most read golf publication. My old mate Gary Barter is right next to me as usual. Hello, Gaz. Hi, mate. Very fine, mate. Another great show coming up, Gary. We'll be talking all things Australian summer of golf, from what's already taken place this season to our two big events, the Australian Open, of course, the Australian PGA coming up. We'll be talking to Jimmy Emanuel about all of that and get an opinion on what's happening in Sydney. We'll get to that in a second. He's a communications advisor for Golf Australia, journo, TV commentator, very handsome young man. We're looking, he's a funny guy. Good, good man, Jimmy. Good player too, isn't he? Very good player. The Australian golf community, as you know, Gary, was rocked uh, with the news. Moore Park, it's all about Moore Park. This show will be tacking on the end of what's, what's happened last week where Chris Minns announced, of course, Moore Park was going to be slashed in half. We'll be talking to John Janik, the president of Moore Park Golf Club, who has copped uh, a lot of attention. He's uh, unfortunately in a, he's a passionate, terrific guy and a great leader of, of Moore Park Golf Club from what I'm hearing, but he's been spoken to and approached by just about everyone on either side of the golfing community or against. It'll be great to have him on the show to get an insider's view, Gary, from the members, from the actual place itself. We're having a tip, Gary, which yeah, we is are. Bunkers... How to, how to pick the right sand iron for mm. your whatever golf course you play on. Absolutely. Looking yeah. forward to that. And also, well, we're going to have a bit of a brush. We're going to have a bit of a chat about the new Callaway Apex Utility Wood, which I haven't tried yet. We're waiting on it. I'm still waiting on it to come. They're very popular, hard to order. I believe I'll have one before the next show. So we'll have a little pre- premiere, prelude, yeah. prelude to that. And when I get a chance to have a hit of it, we'll we'll talk about that. All this and more, Gary, from this episode of Backspin, coming up after this. Backspin with Larry Canning and Gary Barter. He's a media and communications advisor for Australian golf. He's handsome. He's a man about town. He's a vegetarian. His name is Jimmy Emanuel. Good morning, Jimmy. Hello, Laz and Gaz. How are you, mate? Very well, thank you. I'm still at Royal Melbourne after the Asia Pacific Amateur. How good was that? It was outstanding. I've just seen Jasper Stubbs. He still thinks it's pretty good, but he's probably feeling a little bit less than good right now. (laughs) Jimmy, I was going to start talking about professional golf tour, but let's kick it off with that, with the Asia Pacific Championships. Let's talk about just the vibe of the thing, to borrow a term from a classic. Aussie movie. I noticed there wasn't a million people watching, but it had some serious influence on golf around the country and around the world, doesn't it? It's a big event, isn't it? It really is. I've done a couple of them now. I was in Thailand when Harrison Crow won last year as well, and it's a great event. You know, it's run by Augusta National and the RNA, so they know what they're doing. There was a few people around yesterday, but it's more about the players and the experience, and you know, getting to play great golf courses and potentially go to the Masters in the Open, which Jasper Stubbs is going to do. It's one of my favourite events to cover each year because it's done really, really well. There's great stories. There's kids from Lebanon, you know, Taiwan and all these places playing, as well as genuine contenders who might turn into future tour winners from Australia and New Zealand. Jasper Stubbs. What a cool name. Pretty cool guy too, Jasper Stubbs. He looks he's, it. Uh, he was pretty cool and calm yesterday when he won in a playoff. He's a good player, very impressive player, and he's going to be very excited to play some majors next year. Did we see Jasper doing this this week before it started? Was he one of the Aussie favourites? Look, he probably wasn't. He's a very good player, and everyone knows he's a good player, but they all are. So there were 13 Aussies in the field in the end, and it probably wasn't. He wasn't amongst the, the absolute favourites. Jeff Guan was probably mm. mentioned a few mm. times more. 
Um, there was probably a couple of others that were higher rated chances coming in, but Jasper just went about his business and then when it got to the real business, he was the best player of the week. The two Chinese players he was playing in the playoff against, they are highly credentialed, aren't they? And the guy that was dinged, the guy that lasted the most out of the yep. two of them, he's got a beautiful golf swing. It just looked like he was a, a very measured, a very calm and cool sort of, sort of 18 years old. It was extraordinary uh, to see a kid that, that young. 19? I, I, I don't even think he is 18. He's oh actually not even started his college career over in the States, which he's committed to doing, but I think he must be 17 or 18. He's a big boy, big tall fella, mm. and he was very impressive. And Samson Zheng, who was the other guy who mm. uh, was in the playoff, he plays the Cal Golden Bears, and he was very impressive. But he walked up onto the first tee yesterday, and there's a bunch of people in green jackets and a claret jug yeah. sitting there, and it's pretty clear what's on the line, and I think that might have tested his medal a little bit yesterday. Yeah, they were both very impressive. And when you're 18, I I'd say we'll, we'll see a fair bit of him in the future. Uh, being a professional, Gary and I have been professional since we were, um, I think we were just eating solids at the time, guys, when we turned pro. <laughs> mm. We don't quite understand as much about amateur golf. Oh, Gary played a bit more amateur golf than I ever did, but we don't understand quite the significance of being in a playoff where it's all on the line. It's In a professional event, you're going to get first prize money or a share of second or, you know, you're going to, it's not the disaster that you think. Therefore, you can have a bit of a crack at flags knowing that if you don't win, well, you've still got your, you know, your $800,000 in the bank. It's not, not a disaster. But in that event, that playoff, it was all or absolutely nothing, wasn't it? Jimmy, the shots they hit during the course of that playoff were extraordinary. No one had made a birdie on 18 the entire day. And then they come up in the first playoff hole and Jasper Stubbs rolls one in from the back of the green and we went, all oh, right, well, that's done. And then Wen Ye Ding did the same thing. <laughs> and then it was unbelievable. I think everyone in the, on the golf course thought when Jasper's putt dropped, oh, well, that's it. Yeah, but yeah. Yep. Playing, you're exactly right because there is no second prize, obviously financially, but the second place getter doesn't get you know a start somewhere else on the back of yeah, it. it. Yeah, is literally just for the bloke who comes first. So it's absolutely life changing, isn't it? Yeah, oh, absolutely, Gaz. It changes a lot of guys' decisions who were going to turn pro and then they hang on for an extra year, but he'll get all sorts of starts around the world. He'll get a lot more attention. You know, he's been doing TV this morning. He'll he'll get a lot of attention over the summer in Australia, and then he'll. Uh, He'll get a chance to play a lot overseas. Harrison Crow talks about it all the time. The experiences he's had, he no chance he would have ever had if he hadn't won last year in Thailand. It'll be the same for Jasper Stubbs this year. The players, when you look at that field yesterday, it's sort of the nursery of the future of the PJ Tour, isn't it? They're the players that we're going to be seeing contending for majors in five, six, seven years' time. That's exactly right. I mean, we were saying to people, come out to Royal Melbourne. You don't get a chance to walk around Royal Melbourne unencumbered too often. You don't pay anything. Mm. And you're going to see someone in this field who's probably going to win a major. You know, there's going mm. to be one of them. There's been a couple already in Hideki Matsuyama. There's one other that name escapes me at the moment. There's already been a couple of major winners come from the, from this event. So that's a, a pretty good pedigree for, for anyone who's playing in it. And then if you get the chance to go and watch it. They had a great feel to it. Like, obviously, with the analysts, commentators, just the feel of the event. It came across on Fox really well. Like, really, really well. It looked like it felt like a big event. It, it, and it was it was very interesting to watch. It's uh, looking at players that people normally wouldn't get to see play and the quality of that play. And I played Royal Melbourne. Larry, you played Royal Melbourne. Oh, Jimmy, you played. still shaking. And it's such it's such it's a strategic scary. golf course. Yeah, and sure, not long, but it, how scary is it? But even the other Aussie kids, they look they look so good. I thought, how can a golf yeah. course with wide fairways like that be so terrifying? Or is it just me? 
In fact, every golf course is terrifying that I ever played when I was a pro. Yeah, bad example. I'm sitting in the clubhouse ready to go out there today, and I've got the shakes later already. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm using borrowed clubs from someone, so that'll be even better. A major champion? Yes, Jeff Ogilvie's back in town, and he was kind enough to let me go down into his golf room and raid the stocks to play today. <laughs> Fair dinkum. So what'd you get? Yeah. Any blighter balls? <laughs> no, Gaz, I've put the, uh, the retros on hold for today because I think it's going to be hard no, enough. <laughs> you don't want retro around there today. Do not do that. Mm. No. So you got a set of Titleists, set of blades? Set of Titleist blades and uh, a pretty nice putter, I've got to tell you. He's uh, got a few few nice things. Yeah, I reckon he would have, yeah. Yeah, he was good on commentary too. I don't know whether you heard much of it, Jimmy. You were there live, obviously, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I heard a little bit of him when we were trying to check in and, and see things. He's very, very good at that. He's smart. He's, he's a clever he, bloke, isn't he? Him talking about Royal Melbourne is pretty special. You know, he yeah, knows yeah. his place better than anyone and, and he knows what it's like to play big amateur events around the sandbelt. So he does a great job of that. Yeah, it's a 206 USA. It seems like it's just not long ago, but it's so long ago, isn't it? 2061. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, we need to talk about what's happened on the Australian PGA Tour so far. Who have you spotted? The talent, your little talent scout, you, and what's coming up with the Australian Open and Australian PGA. So let's start with what's happened already. You've covered a few times. In fact, you've been commentating. I have done a little bit in Kalgoorlie at the WA PGA, but uh, there's been plenty of good ones. I've been to a few. I was in Papua New Guinea, which was the first oh, event wow. of the season, so that was an experience. And then Northern Territory PGA and then <laughs> WA PGA. So. I go to all the good places. There's been some really impressive guys. Lachlan Barker, who won the PNG Open and then has played well in other events, he's really impressed me. He looks like a real player. He played at uh, Iowa State for five years, and and he looks like a real player for the summer. And uh, one of the amateurs who was here this week, actually, Quinn Croker, he's had three top tens on the Challenger PGA Tour of Australasia this season, so that's pretty good stuff. And then Daniel Gale's had a win. Simon Hawkins Daniel had a Gale, win. Yeah, the old ben tried and proven. Winning, ben Eccles winning after winning the New South Wales Open as an amateur in you know 2015, I think it was, won the WO PGA. That was pretty special to watch. He was pretty close to giving it away, and he's committed to this year, and he's already won, and he's in a great spot. And, and Benny Eccles is a magnificent fellow, so he couldn't happen to a nicer bloke that, that win and keep his career going. Lachlan Bark is actually leading the Order of Merit, isn't he, going into the, the big yes. ones? Yeah, he is. But it's going to be interesting this year. The Order of Merit's now a point system. It's not on, mm. on money, which makes it you know easier for these guys who are going to play the big ones but play the full season oh, to end up with the top spots. And there's three DP World Tour cards on offer again. So, you know, good pathways out of the tour here. And it'll be exciting when the big ones come and the big names like Adam and Cam and a few more announced this week and you know, Adrian Moronk and a few others. So... Um, those will be obviously hugely exciting, but the tour itself, the, the regular week-to-week events have become really exciting, and they're all on Fox, and you can see a handsome bloke with a moustache commentate on them Nice. Sometime. So Moronk's coming, is he? Yeah, Moronk will be PGA and Aussie Open. Because so he's had, he's had an amazing year. He's won four times this year. He's a really good one. I love watching him play. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you would too. He is genuine ball striker. No, I, I followed him in the Aussie Open third round last year at Victoria. He got drawn with Matt Jones. And it was blowing, and his ball striking was just incredible. Yeah. It was incredible. It's almost not even real. Like, he hit it that high, and I'm thinking to myself, well, this guy's going to struggle today in the breeze. That's what I was thinking, but it proves how little I know. He just hit everything high and straight, and his proximity to the hole was incredible. Like, incredible. I think he, I think he shot six under the front nine that I saw him play. That was with a par on nine. Uh, the par easiest five. par five. So, yeah. Obviously went on to win the golf tournament. Has he calmed down since being not picked in the Ryder Cups team, do you think? Maybe he got angrier and started... He was playing obviously yeah, good for the whole year, but that, that, that win, yeah, everything he's done since then must mm. be some sort of 
See, I told well, you, you, don't, you, Luke, don't win, what were you, you don't. Not many, not many win four times in one season in your. No, absolutely not. Like you're no, talking you about the days of Montgomery or Faldo, or I couldn't, I couldn't think off the top of my head if Rory's done that in recent. But four times is is incredible. Yeah, he's a he's a, a seriously good golfer. You know, he, it's great to have him come back. It's, it's really good when a big an overseas player who you know, wins at one of our events mm. to come back and defend them. Really important, I think. And I actually spoke to him the other day and he was really up and about about coming down and defending the title and playing. He played well at Royal Queensland too, if you remember. Yes, he, he did too. In yep. the top 10. And so, you know, and it means a lot because our two big events, the, the PGA and the Australian Open, they start the DP World Tour season mm. for next mm. year. For him to come down here, have a little bit of a holiday, but also potentially pick up some order of merit points and, and get some starts in is really important, and particularly those guys who are that bubble around that top 50 in the world. You know, if you're in the top 50 at the end of the year, you get into to the Masters. So it's a good chance for them to come down and, and have a go with that. And then, like we said, the, our tour here continues on for you know a couple of months there through to March. They should be refreshed. Our top players haven't played a lot since the end of the FedEx Cup season, have they? Like the, There's been some live events on, but um, the bulk of the, the Australian stars, and, and pretty well all of them are playing, Jimmy, aren't they? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, at this stage, I believe Jason Day, He's the only one not coming back. He's recently had a baby, but... Uh, <laughs> oh, that, sorry, that's the th- that 13, 14 now. Th- uh, 13. He, he and Aaron Badley are trying to shoot the course record, I think. <laughs> 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 but, uh, is there something yeah. missing in American chemists, pharmacies? Is there something that they... <laughs> no, maybe... I don't know. They have them over there, surely, don't they, guys? I, 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 <laughs> You've I, been over I, there. I believe they do. You, you'd have grabbed a couple. And, no, anyway, Jimmy, go on. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so all the Aussies are coming back. And you're right, Gaz. They will have had a, a fair break because you mentioned the Live guys. They're now done for the year with Live. So they've got a, a big break until the, the, you know, our events at the end of November and start of December. A few are playing a few other things. I know that couple are going to go play the Hong Kong Open. And there'll be a few DP World Tour events on. There's PGA Tour Fall Series. So... There'll be a couple, like Adam Scott, for example, played the Japan Open a couple of weeks ago. So they'll be playing a bit, but they'll have a nice rest. So it'll be really good to see where they're at and coming through and you know playing some of our big tournament venues. Royal Queensland's now you know established itself for the, the PGA. And then we've got the Aussie and the Lakes for the Australian Open, which are you know two very well-known tournament golf courses. Always nice watching a golf tournament on a, on a golf course you know. Give us a tip. Who's going to win the PGA and who's going to win the Open? Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Uh... Let's go with Adrian Moronk for the PGA and Adam Scott for the Open. No, that's crazy. No, well, when I come back on this podcast after the Australian Open, lads, you're going to eat... Uh, if they time. win, you're not coming back on, I guarantee that. If I play like Jasper Stubbs today at Royal Melbourne, I won't be coming back on. I might not come back on Earth. <laughs> so is Min Wu, you roughy? Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that, Gary, that's when you mentioned that you don't know a lot about golf earlier. You know, you keep, you keep telling me that. You actually do. There's a little bit there. There's a little bit of knowledge there. We just have to tap into it. We've got to find a little tap for it. Jimmy, the Australian Open, men, women and all abilities, criticised last year. There's been some changes made for this year, though, right? Uh, yeah, there has been. So the, the women's field is a little smaller for this year, and then there's only the one cut. So as opposed to where we had the Saturday cut last year to bring the field down to smaller size to get everyone on the golf course, there's only the one cut on the Friday, and the all ability will actually finish on the Saturday. So we clear out a little bit more space on mm-hmm. Sunday for the two events to run concurrently. You know, certain sides of the tournament that were seen as huge successes, and then there was yep. some other feedback on the tournament. It's been taken on board. It's now adapted a little bit. We'll see how it all falls out this year. But look, a lot of the players are up and about about it, so it'll be good to see how it, it all falls out. You know, it's only the second year, and you've got to learn with these things mm. and, and work on them, and feedback's been taken on, and, and we'll see how it 
all it goes this year. But you know, always fun. And like I said, at, at two golf courses, you know, we know very well. No one knows them better than Gary. So uh, they'll be. I've been out of the Aussie a couple of times, and it looks like it's going to be an absolutely amazing mix. Yeah, it'll be good. You know. well, obviously, they always get it really, really nice for the Aussie Open. But this year, they've redone the bunkering as in the sand in the bunkers and slightly not change the configuration or shape of the bunkers but just the the way that the, they'll play will be slightly a bit different but the, they're beautiful the rough they've stopped mowing at the moment the rough won't be super super intrusive but it will have a little bit of effect but it's cooch in. isn't it cooch is, is there a worse rough than cooch it can't be can there they did grow the rough up one year I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like 2004 when when peter won peter lonard won and it was like a US Open. Yeah. It was like, it was it was really tough. I think Peter might have had four under total to win yep. around there. Yep. And then generally speaking, the course is a sort of an open fast course, but there'll be a little bit of rough this year. Not not super, but a little bit. Not but, stuff where but, you lose your ball like a No, but the green right? complexes, as you know, Jimmy, around the Aussie, very, very difficult. A lot of runoffs, a lot of false fronts. And even though it's a ball striker's golf course, generally regarded as a ball striker's golf course. If you look at the winners, a lot of guys that have had great short games have, have won round there because no matter how good a ball striker you are, pretty hard to navigate your way through the Aussie hitting more than 14, 15 greens. So just to, get, just to get to some pins. So the only thing I would say since the redesign, it has given the players an opportunity to putt more from off the green. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like when we saw Cayman win the US Open back in the day mm. at Pinehurst. He, he, he well, when you look it. back at that, I mean, I, it, that was a bizarre week, wasn't it? Mm. That golf course, you, you could just putt, you could putt off a tee, you could putt anywhere, putt yeah. in the clubhouse, yeah, car park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Kamo. And then the guy finished time, up with the yips. He, 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 he really struggled chipping. He so can't he, chip to save his life. Nah. So if he plays there every every week, he's going to win it every time. Yeah, you, you, you won't have that luxury at the Aussie. You, you still have to be able to chip it. Like, like Rummy, Rummy would traditionally do well at the Australian Open over the years. He he always in the last few groups. Yeah. So you know it is a value to have a sensational short game bunker game. There's that, that knowledge mm. stripping out now, guys. In fact, it's flowing a little bit now. It's a little more like a, a solid drip. You know, it's just one big thread. Jimmy, um, I know you're on the tee very soon, but we don't care because we're not. So your opinions uh, of of where we are with golf and the big news, of course, with Moore Park Golf Course mm-hmm. in Sydney. We we all live in Sydney. We we know the impact that'll have on that golf course. But the golfing community in Australia, precedents being set around the country, you would think, with this golf course, we think we're pretty sure the most played public access golf course in Australia being chopped in half and made into a park. Your views on this, Jimmy? Yeah, I think it's actually probably number two behind Wembley in Perth, but purely because they've got 36 holes so they can get more people on the golf course. But Look, Moore Park's an insanely busy place. I live right near there and I know exactly how busy it is. It's a really unfortunate situation we find ourselves in. It's not completely done yet. It, there's a lot of there's a lot of water to go onto the bridge, but it's been very important that there's been a big rally around public golf. Uh, Sandy Jamison, who we all know very well, has done a great job of that with Oakley in Melbourne. Yep. And Moore Park's experiencing the same. Look, golf's got a bit of a target on its back and we've got to do our bit to defend it and prove why it you know, it deserves its place and, and what we can do and what it does for the community. And I think while it's unfortunate, it has been good to see that sort of rallying around of the golf fraternity to defend these places. And, you know, we need to do everything we can and, and then defend it because Moorpark, as you say, is, 
is one of the places that you would have thought couldn't ever happen to it. So we need to see how it goes and, and work with all these people that maybe are not so keen on golf and explain why it, you know, why it is good and its benefits. And actually, there was a recent report by the Australian Golf Industry Council about community benefits, and it shows you know billions of dollars of benefits that golf produces, and there's environmental health all sorts of things. So that conversation is very much opened up at the moment. It'll be fascinating to see where it goes, but it's been really good to see golf all come together to mm. defend our assets, and Moore Park is a significant asset for golf. That's the bonus, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of negatives there. Yeah, it, it is. Un- a bit, you know, it's unnerving, I suppose, yeah. but let's hope that you know we can get some good results and look after the game because you know that's how you've made your millions, Laz, so we need to... Make sure that keeps happening. Well, on that uh, negative, depressing finish to the pure interview, Jimmy, thank you. Thank you for being part of the show. Gary and I will pick ourselves up after that, maybe have a little uh, hit of scotch or something, and or something smoked. No, no, no we're no, not well, smoking. That, that, no. that, that boat of yours, you want me to buy, I can't afford it. The boat, no, it's yeah. out of the question yeah. now. Yeah. This is ruined. <laughs> this is ruined my life, this, this interview, I mean. Jimmy, <laughs> thank, thank you so much for being part of Backspin, and uh, we're going to talk to you on a regular basis, even if you don't like it, okay? Thank you, boys. It's been great fun. Thanks, Jimmy. See you, mate. There you go. Well, the Australian golfing community was rocked last week with the announcement by New South Wales Premier Chris Minns, one of our most respected and loved golf courses, public access golf courses, Gary, is about to be chopped in half, right in the heart of Sydney, a golf course that has been the pathway, the source of so much enjoyment by so many people, beginners to professionals. And it is given as 632, I believe, public access golf courses in the country, three and a half million people played some form of golf last year. Doesn't seem like the ratio's in our favour and this is one of the most prominent golf courses in the country. We have on the line club president of Moore Park Golf Club, John Janney. Good morning, John. Good morning, Larry. How are you? Good, hey, thanks, John. mate. Gary Barter with us. Gary. Gary's just next door at the Australian Golf Club. What are you guys? What's your title there? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. I teach, I teach golf there. He teaches um, golf there. Yeah, so he's maybe, maybe I'm the yeah. I don't know. Director of instruction. That sounds good. Sorry, yeah, I'll put a light-hearted good. edge on it, John. It's it's very serious matter for you and your members. Not a great time to be president of a golf club, John. At this point, how, how are you faring, mate? How are you going? Uh, a bit tired. Been full on the last week. Trying to receive all the support that we're getting. It's unbelievable. And um, there's people ringing every day of the week. Emails coming in. A lot of interviews. And it's all worth it. It's just to know how, how people appreciate this game and this particular course. It's a precedent being set somewhat, isn't it? With with the fact that this is, well, we'll say the busiest 18-hole public access golf course in Australia. And it's regarded as just this massive pathway for people that, for the blue-collar worker, really, isn't it? It's the person that doesn't want to pay $30,000 to join a private club or doesn't have that money. They have access to this beautiful golf course right in the middle of the city. And to listen to Chris Means just flippantly pass it off as it, it's for the... The benefit of the community, that must great great with you, surely. Yeah, people had a lot of foresight back in 1913 to build this course. There was The private courses were around and they were unreachable by the, um, the working class. So someone deliberately set out, and coincidentally it was the City of Sydney Council that did it. They started it all just so the working class could actually play a game of golf, which is a bit of a concern these days because um, everyone's preying on the perception of golf rather than its reality. We're not all old people. We're, we're not fences around the whole paddock just keep people out. More Park is a total different story. It's all about the public, and the public are really responding to it. The membership, obviously, they're up in arms about it. Are they okay? Are they coping okay? And is there light at the end of the tunnel here, John? Is there something... I mean, you've got, what is it, 226 when they start planning? Yeah, 26 is when they're going to start doing something to the course. They've made the decision, but we still want to engage with them. It's 
probably something we should have done or they should have done in the first place is engage with us if there was other solutions. Because the same problems occurred elsewhere. Melbourne, for example, is a great, uh, great place where they're actually sharing golf courses. Obviously, there's a lot of parkland around we are, so it's kind of a bit odd to understand why it has to be that location. You see the adjoining properties are all vacant during the day, but there might be a need to share it perhaps after hours, no problem at all. Mm. And particularly, probably the other end of the golf course, other than that, it was announced, because that's probably closer to where the development work is. But uh, certainly there's no justification for um, ripping up the golf course to put basically a bit more concrete down, a few more lights around the place. This doesn't make sense. And it was pretty disappointing how it was announced too, John, wasn't it? Absolutely. Got us um, offside totally. We, did, we knew nothing about it coming. There was some discussion a few weeks earlier about our future, the club's future, and there was some talk about There'd be a tender process in 2026, but there was no discussion about cutting the golf course in half. It just seems stunning to me that this can happen. John Sutherland, have you heard? You, have you been getting support from the golfing institutions around the country? Absolutely, yes. They've all uh, contacted me. At the moment, we've been just flat out trying to respond to all the people that have mm. um, been in there, the newspaper and all that. But we've also started a, um, a campaign team in the background. So we'll get on the front foot from here on in. There'll be a petition coming out shortly. Uh, we've created a website. We'll looking for some um, professional help, which we're a lot of offers from um, outside just on that. So we'll start the front foot as of this week going forward. Just remind us, how many golfers played or used the facility there last year? Well, there's 90,000 rounds played, so that's probably wow. the highest number anywhere in Australia. Oh, so, man. Um, An 18-hole golf it's, course. Yeah, and it's only 22%, um, 25% as members, our members usage, all the rest is public, and they come from all over the world. I was there last this time last week just walking around talking to people in there from two actually came from Japan. Uh, there was a couple there from Thailand and three girls coming out from Western Australia. And no one's taking into account the tourism factor of all this as well. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, of course. There's a lot of factors not being considered in this. So, what, what, so John, what are, their, what are their plans? So they what, keep the driving range and just chop nine holes off? Yeah, that's right, yes. So what I've been told so far, and there's been no consultation, so I'm only reading the newspapers what's been said. But, um, yeah, keep the driving range because obviously it's a big money earner. So I cut the 18 holes into nine, and that's about all we know so far. So it, it was interesting. Before coming on, I just thought I'll just Google Moorpark Golf Club, and the number one comes up as your club, your website. Number two comes up as sydney.com. And they're beautifully talking about Moore Park, about the facilities, how it's one of Sydney's main attractions. They're talking about how the amenities. So with Chris Minns, is he is he is he personally talked to you? Is no, he- not yet. No, I've, I've reached out to his office and said, look, please organise a meeting for us. Um, there must be another solution to this where everyone's a winner. I just hope sometime in the near future we might be able to sit down and chat about a solution rather than um, this approach. Sharing's one of the options clearly that we, that we can talk about. And Clover Moore and Bob Carr, any word from them or have you approached them? <laughs> I'm afraid not, no. Um, um, this is obviously, I think, the third time we've been with Clover Moore on this issue and she's never contacted to talk about options at all. So it's a bit odd. Um, obviously, they don't want to get the facts, the real facts. They mm. prefer to work on the perception of golf and play on that perception to the people that don't understand. It has a great history, Moore Park, too. Like, you've had fantastic pennant teams. You've had fantastic golfers come through there at, at an elite level. Well, imagine how many have gone through there and have moved on somewhere else. That, that well, no, was, I that remember I, level, I, you know? I taught Chris Campbell, who won in Japan. He was one of our elite amateurs. He he was obviously based in Canberra, and Moore Park Golf Club would help him come up from Canberra. Yeah. practice, play penance, and you've had a great success in the Sydney Group 1 Metropolitan Pennant, haven't you, over the years? 
We've been in there for quite a few years now. I think we've run it six times or something, perhaps oh. in, the, in our history. We've been there now at least 20 years, to my knowledge, uh, continuously without falling down a grade. So and we've just been growing there. the game as well, right through juniors, the yeah. obviously programs through the really highly successful driving range. It must at be the, gut-wrenching. At the moment, we've got typically we'd have 11 representative teams. Um, we've got one juniors team there in the junior pennant. We've got four women rep teams. We've got two mixed pennant teams, wow. the Masters pennant, the mixed pennants, and we've got four men's teams. Eleven teams all um, that's unbelievable. driving to um, competition. So nine holes. John, that's going to decimate it, right? It can't all, survive, surely. Well, all those things will go. can't have a nine-hole golf course and, and still be able to participate at that level. The first thing that happens is the revenue doesn't support all mm-hmm. that kind of... It takes a lot to run a, a representative um, club and you won't get that revenue out of a nine-hole course, so all those people just have to go elsewhere. So do you think there's a plan, an evil plan, to just engulf the entire golf course when, when they realise, when the politicians realise that they've decimated a magnificent facility in right in the middle of Sydney and they take over the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. I think that's good. Most nine-hole golf courses can't survive. Yep. Um, they'll, they'll go under and then they'll just say, look, it's not being used, let's take the other nine now. Lo and behold, there goes a bit of green space, there'll be another bunch of buildings there or mm. something else. I look at Camaray Golf Club across the road, beautiful 18 holes 30 years ago, now it's down to nine, been shortened again. Even the Premier's own golf club, um, Cogra, it was 18 holes, now it's down to 15. They just keep snipping off the edges and eventually they just fold and they disappear and yeah. there's, there's no more. Yet the, the, the um, popularity of golf um, increasing. Yeah, they're taking away the place that you play on, which doesn't make sense. Did you say the Premier's own club? Cobra Golf Club's in his electorate. Oh, I see. He doesn't play golf. No, no, no. He's well, he kind of thinks he's on his own, but it hasn't occurred. So when you look at Daniel Andrews and the the support he had for golf in Victoria, even though he made a mess of the COVID thing when he shut all the courses down, everyone got the shits with him. You know, he he's, he was a big backer and supporter of golf in Melbourne, and now we're seeing um, the, the likes of, like John mentioned, North, North Coat, and I think there's a another one at Elston Wick or something called, which actually has a, they're both nine-hole courses. They're trying to shut them down. And I think you've, you've, we've all been listening to what Northcote are having to do. They're having to shut on Sundays, I think, and we're opening it up at three o'clock in the afternoon for public access. So there is a way, but gee, you know, if you start off with 18 and, and on a bloody good golf course and then turn it into nine, that's going to decimate it. If you start off with nine and take that away, that's another issue. I think it's a slightly separate issue. No better, but when you reduce a, a, a golf course that has that many people on and it, are they talking about no one wants to play anymore. John, are they talking about the nine that's across the road? Is that all the holes that are... Well, this has all been rushed. Obviously, they haven't thought it properly. I've heard now they might have changed their mind. There's one up north that might go further south. That came out of a discussion I had with someone that got passed back. um, If you go into the city hall, you'll see a big model there showing where all the new development's going to be, and it's nowhere near the golf course, two kilometres away. That's the odd argument. Why, if it's two kilometres away, he's going to walk two kilometres across South Dowling Street to try and get to a, a property... The land should, the park should be near the new development, not two kilometres away. Yeah, yeah. So that's the argument that doesn't stack up. And I think both the Premier and Clover Moore said there's 80,000 new residents coming. Well, if, if 10% of the population play golf now, 10% of that 80,000 is going to be 8,000 new golfers. Exactly. Where are they going to go? Exactly. They need space to go. There should be growing golf courses, not, um, not decreasing not them. Not decreasing them. You're dead right. Yeah, there's just so many things that appear to have been missed. You hear the other side of the argument and you think, well, you know, okay, you, you might have what you think is a point, but you're 
definitely have not considered all the damage that's going to do not only the golf, that golf course, but now everyone's terrified. Uh, we spoke to Jimmy Emmanuel from Golf Australia just before you, John, and he mentioned you know there's a target on the back of golf at the moment. I mean, everyone's telling us how bad the game is for the community, uh, aren't they? I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, anyone if you've play, unless you've played golf, unless you realise the culture, the morality, the ethics all behind this magnificent game and, and how it can turn young kids into you know really nice adults how it's brought people back I've you know in my tenure as golf coach and Gary's too we've seen you know kids parents bring kids to us where the kids mm. are going off the rails big time I've done it I still get Christmas cards from this one lady every year and it's like 20 years ago yeah she brought a kid along and said can you help and, and we made him part of the junior pennant team after a little while and he finished up being captain and we had a little exhibition match with him playing against Wayne Riley and me and another junior that's one tiny example of what this game can do these people just don't get I mean it's just it, it, it's not only a game it's a culture mm. it's obviously it's where I met my wife um, on a golf course oh. a, lot of, a lot of people find their partner playing golf but it's something you have in common and something we we play the golf nearly golf every week together and we go away together playing golf so um, it really is something that um, is a community binder it brings you together no matter how old you are or what gender you are you'll always get people together playing golf for the first time and becoming friends forever. So we need to get this message across, John, don't we? Really mm, quickly. Absolutely, yeah. And this could turn out to be a positive in some strange way that it will it will create that interest in what the sport offers and uh, and get John Sutherland, um, all New South Wales golf, um, Graham Phillips, and whoever it is in a position of authority to spread the word and 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 filter it down right through to to us as PGA members and everyone else and even the volunteers. I've got volunteers at the club I'm the pro at that um, just do it for the love uh, and they're mm. gutted. I mean, they're, they're oh, yeah, at Mount yeah. Broughton Golf Course. It's, it's not going to close in a hurry, but they're gutted for you people. And um, and again, it must be hard hard on you, mate. You must be, you know, a bit yeah, emotional. Okay. How, how are you going? You, you, are you okay? Oh yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> a little bit more sleep, but um, I I think I need to do this. Um, I don't want to be the last president of Park Golf Club. Mm. I want another hundred years if I can help it. So yeah. it's my job right now to stand up and try and fight the whole thing. But you yeah. touched on something earlier about the other sports that are around the place. Of the $15 million that that precinct um, delivers every year, all that goes to the surrounding sports fields and sports clubs on that precinct. So you See. kind of think, well, where are they going to get the revenue going for? If they cut us off, there goes part of the revenue. Yeah. So all the sports that are across the road, the AFL, the tennis players, all that, they all those kids pay a certain amount of money to, to play on Centennial Parkland. And all that revenue has to be then made up by something else, increasing mm. the cost of those. So mm. there's a financial uh, implication to all the adjoining sports nearby. This wasn't a part of the plan, was it? it? It seems like it's just, let's create this massive monolith of people, residents, and then we'll think about, when, when, when we've got that plan in place, then we'll think about, oh, no, maybe we need a park somewhere. Ah, oh, we'll just take <laughs> more park. Yeah, yeah. So, John, do the powers to be at Golf New South Wales, Golf Australia, are they going to battle with you? Do you get yeah, some representation? Yes, yes absolutely. Um we just got to work out where they can best help our campaign. Yep. Um, but clearly this is the one that we're all interested in. The other decision by this government as well was to increase the um, Crown Land fee. Now, that's impacting a lot of golf clubs as well and bowling clubs. That's another hit on sport as well. I've heard figures of like their, their rent's going to be like 20000 to 90000 oh, They're going to well. go under. Yeah. So it's definitely a war on sport. So yeah. as much as the Premier might have said, no, I'm not going to do any more of this. Clearly what's out there is it's all the sporting uh, bodies that are going to be suffering out of these decisions. We need a new Premier and a new Mayor. They need to be golfers badly, urgently. John, thank you so much. I know you're a very, very busy man. Uh, you put up a tremendous case and the world is watching. And good luck, mate, in the future. We're on your team. Thanks, John. Thank you for passing the message. Thanks, John. Backspin with Larry Canning and Gary Barter.
Well, Gary, we've just talked to Jimmy earlier about bunker sand at the Australian for the Australian mm. Open. They've changed the sand, yep. the nature of the sand. It's a good time to discuss sand wedges, how to pick a sand wedge to get out of various types of sand. If your home course has some kind of different sand to some other course and you play your home course mostly, you should pick a sand on that suits that type of sand, right? Yeah, obviously there's technique involved, but basic, if you're a member of a golf club where the sand is very thick and it'd be something like a Royal Sydney, Compared to, say, Royal Melbourne that we watched the boys play on the weekend, where very, very thin layer of sand, a firm base, that generally you would say to yourself you'd use a sand iron with less bounce. So most companies will usually range from four degrees of bounce up to 14 degrees of bounce. Mm -hmm. Like the old sand irons that you and I used back in the day, the Hogan Special sand iron i don't know if you've got one at home still but if you look at if you look at the back of it it's not only got a lot of bounce but the sole is super wide as well mm, ping i2 was mine that's pretty good for sort of mid mid-range thickness sand so if you if you're looking at the heavier thicker sand generally speaking the the wider sole mm. more bounce the thinner layer of sand firmer base you're looking at you know a four degree maybe six degree sort of not as wide a sole but also less bounce and then your normal sand, and if you sort of thought, listening to this, what, what would be normal sand? If, you, if you're at the practice bunker and you're, you just drop a ball from hip height and just let the ball embed into the sand, probably half of the ball should still be exposed. Mm-hmm. That'll be the Aussie. So you'll see players probably at the Aussie using around eight degrees of bounce. Like I know when, you know, I've had a look at Cam Smith's bag and in a practice round, he'll, he'll have a four, he'll have an eight, he'll have a 12, he'll all, have a K wedge. All the same loft. But he'll figure out for the tournament that week or the sand that week which one to use. He'll mainly play the T, which is the titleist version of a four degree of bounce. And the base of it or the sole of it is configured a little differently. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's up, it's up to the player. There's a te- as I said, there's, techni- yeah, bad, there's technique bad. involved. But if you're a member of a golf course and, you know, as you said, you can drop the ball on the sand, it almost comes back and hits you in the eye. Yeah, yeah, that's and happening, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's, and there's nothing take, there. Take a drop. Yeah, you, you, definitely, you definitely don't want to bounce because the, the whole idea of bounce is for that, that sand iron to enter the sand, go down, and then bounce back out. In technique, Gary, I mean, the, the average golfer, I would think, doesn't have as good a technique as the likes of Cam Smith, but a PGA Tour player. So when you're talking about a PGA Tour player with an eight-degree bounce, that's because he has the right technique. Yeah, if like generally speaking, if you're you know not relying on your technique so much and you just want to hack down into the sand and just take an enormous big swipe mm. at it and keep the club driving down, <laughs> you, you want a lot of bounce. <laughs> enormous big swipe at it. Okay, yeah, that could be. Yeah, I can definitely relate. Yeah, and a lot of people can. Yeah, well, yeah, and you look at you look at Gene Sarazen, who yeah, God obviously he, he was the one that pioneered or invented mm. the sand iron, and he, he, he saw a plane take off, and he thought, gee, if I could put some solder on the back of my niblick, which is a wedge, maybe I could drive it into the sand and it'll sort of try to come back out. Come back out again, yeah. yeah. So I definitely look at your local course because, as you said, you're playing there most of the time. Mm. And unless you've got plenty of money and you want to go and buy three different sand irons if mm. you're travelling a lot, that's what the pros have the luxury of doing. Absolutely. Thanks, yeah. guys. That's a beauty. We'll be back after this. Backspin with Larry Canning and Gary Barter. Well, Gary, my club review for this show, I'm still waiting on the Apex Utility wood to arrive for me to try. Mm. I'm hearing a lot about it. This is part of my quest to find that golf club that comes after the three wood and comes before the four iron now. My four iron is 21 degrees. As we discussed earlier, that's an old-fashioned two iron. Now, it's it's like the iron that you hit off a tee to 
to play safe. Mm. The fact that yep. it has four on it is kind of irrelevant. It's yep. just the your your iron you, you go to when you're trying to find a fairway. I was looking for something a little bit stronger with a graphite shaft to launch a little higher and hit it further. Currently using the Strixon Utility Iron, three iron, which has, I think, 19 degrees. And that's a ripper. I love Which it. Which you liked. I liked, yeah. I'm still not quite getting the carry out of it. I've tried fairway woods. I've tried hybrids. They're all good, but uh, not quite. And what I'm p- particularly looking for, I look at a hybrid and I see this tiny little head I, and I struggle to hit it out of a bad line because I hit it all over the face. Fairway woods, I like that concept, but to try and hit one of those low, a five wood low, you know, if you're hitting into the wind or any sort of, you want, you want the ball to come out a little flatter, doesn't work. I get a lot of draws, high spinny draws with it. Nice if you're hitting into a green. If I'm just hitting down a fairway, trying to keep it on the fairway from a par five, for example, yeah, I, yeah, I'm going inter- for the three iron. Interesting, we were talking about a couple of podcasts ago about players moving more into the seven wood, five wood, mm. moving away from the traditional hybrid because of that characteristic. Where you do, if you do get a hybrid in the tail, it really hooks quite a lot. There's a little draw bias on on most hybrids, aren't there? So, and I yeah. think just reading up on this one that we that you're going to test out. It has a deeper face, mm. and it it's taking that bias out. Yes, it's if, it's if a it's a toe bias. strike. Yeah, so that looks pretty good to me. And the deeper face, it's going to give not only the better player, but it's going to give the amateur level player high handicapper. They could sort of hit down on it, yeah, you know, out of the, the rough, and the ball won't pop up. It's a bigger head, yeah. So the face is going to save save them there. It's in between a, a three wood size and shape head and a hybrid size and shape head, mm. and the shaft is is. Um, the same increment. It's it's in between in length, so it's not quite as high as, as long as a five wood, but it's a little bit longer than a than a hybrid. Yeah, it looks, it looks like it, it looks like it looks, might be a good option. A lot of the tour guys are using it. I've noticed. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be next uh, yep. on next show, Gary. Nice. That brings us to the end of this show, Gary. Some passion, some humour. More of a serious show today. More Parker. <laughs> More make, Parker. Makes, yeah, shocking. Makes this feel a bit flat. Yes, doesn't it? Jimmy Emmanuel gave us the opposite. Um, so we had a bit of Jimmy and a bit of John. <laughs> which It's a good balance. John Janik, of course, the president of Moor Park Golf Club. And looking forward to our Aussie summer coming up. Yes, absolutely. Some great stuff to look forward to there. What's, what are you looking forward to the most? I'm really interested in looking at Min Wu. Yeah, yeah, because he's he's really he's really stepped up. He's clearly world class. He's gone from that. Gee, we've got a really good player coming up to we've got a serious player already. Absolutely, he's, the Players Championship, PGA, US Open. Wow, and finishes in those. Well, just to win, to win a couple of weeks ago in Macau, mm. unbelievable. Uh, so Cam Davis is obviously you know he's kept getting better and better. Scotty's coming back. Be great to watch Cam. Obviously, Cam. Yeah, he's clearly going to. I, I think I'll back him already for the PGA. Well, you can You've struggled to back against him. Well, especially wow. on that Queensland grasses up there. So yeah, we've got some great golf to look forward to. Well, we'll be back in a little while, Gary, for our next show. Yep. I'm having a go at this utility Callaway utility wood. So thank you for listening, listeners. Gary, thank you for your input, and we'll see you back soon. Thanks, mate.